Welcome to With Heart and Wonder. This is a place for us to explore heart-centered living and to celebrate what it means to live with wonder, with awe and appreciation for the possibilities that are within us and around us. I'm Megan Johnston, and I am truly so honored and excited that you are here. Let's dive in and journey together. Welcome to episode 56 of With Heart and Wonder. In today's episode, I am joined by Dr. Sarah Van Bonkrab, who is an incredible naturopathic doctor whose work I really admire. One of the reasons that I really love her work is because she is so heart-centered. And I think you'll really hear that today in our conversation together. But the other reason that I love her work so much is because she takes such a truly holistic approach. And what we're diving into today is this relationship with our voice and the way in which being able to listen to ourselves and express our needs and desires is really at the foundation of our ability to have wellness and good health and so much more important, as she says, than drinking a kale smoothie or going to bed on time. I truly am so excited to share this conversation with you and I want to encourage you to listen until the end. In the last few moments, Sarah shares um, one of her own stories that is really moving and has really stuck with me since we recorded this episode. So do listen to the end. And the other thing I wanted to say just before we get going with the interview is Sarah works in the field of women's health. And so we talk a lot about women in this episode, but I do think that these conversations that we share can apply to all sorts of different bodies, regardless of whether or not you identify as a woman or trans or non-binary. A lot of us struggle with listening to our bodies, and so I hope that you find something in this episode that speaks to your heart. Welcome, Sarah. I am so excited to have you here today for this conversation around our voice and our well-being. And really, um, I think you are someone who so beautifully exemplifies how we can listen to our bodies and really honor what's in our hearts to show up as our whole selves, even when that feels challenging or sticky or uncomfortable. Um, I love, love, love following all of your posts online. And I know that um, from seeing comments of others too, that when you speak, people feel it deeply in their hearts. And so I'm just so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. One of the topics that you've been speaking a lot about over the last little while has been this this topic of voice and I think in many ways kind of reclaiming our voice, our letting our emotions and our whole selves be present and showing up in ways that are, are honest and authentic with who we are. Um, and what's so cool is as a naturopathic doctor, you're approaching this work from um, from a place as well of, of well-being and the way in which it actually ties into our health. I would love for you to get us started just by talking a little bit about that relationship sure. between our so voice I'll and our I'll start kind of from the beginning, which was that when I was a little girl, what I was always told was that I was too loud. 
So my parents always said I was too loud. Um, you know, when I grew up and had my first boyfriend in high school, he told me I was too loud. And then I got to university and got told I was too loud. So this was like a constant theme in my life. And I think if, if anyone who's listening has young kids or remembers being a young child, we were really good at using our voices, right? We didn't filter. We said what we thought whether we were happy or sad or angry, it all just came out. And we, you know, we didn't feel bad about doing that. And then somewhere along the way, we learned that that was not a desirable, desirable behavior for most of us, right? We were taught that it was, you know, maybe better to be quiet than loud, or that it was really important not to hurt people's feelings or to offend people. And that it was often better to kind of keep what we thought inside because we didn't want to upset the people around us. And so a lot of us have learned through the world that we live in to quiet our voices. And so fast forward to the last 10 years working as a naturopathic doctor and working with thousands of women, you know, I did what most practitioners do. And I focused on nutrition and getting good sleep and managing stress. And all of these things are very important. But what I came to realize, especially in the last few years, is that for most women, there was something that was missing or something that was preventing them from from truly honoring their health, from truly taking the steps that they needed to to live a healthier life, whatever that might be for them. And what I found was lacking was this connection to an ability to use your voice. It's very hard to create a healthy life for yourself if you are not able to ask for what you need, if you're not able to tell people how you really feel, if you don't feel comfortable setting boundaries for yourself. It's literally impossible. It doesn't matter how many kale smoothies you drink or what time you go to bed. If you are not articulating what you need and what you want, your health is always going to fall short. So that's why I'm so passionate about this topic because it's a tool we all have. It's not something that you need to spend money to go find or go to some like special retreat to do this. This is something that you have that's accessible to you today, right now. Um, and part of what I'm sure we'll talk about um, throughout this conversation is how we can start to, to reconnect to and how to access that voice. Because I really feel like as women, our silence is making us sick and our voice is one of the most powerful tools, one of the most powerful healing medicines that we have available to us. Yeah, what a beautiful introduction to the topic. There was so much there that was so rich. And um, I mean, just that that phrase, our silence is making us sick. Like that is a that is a really poignant and powerful sentence. And I feel that viscerally, you know, in my own body. And and when I hear that, I can think of people in my life as well and moments uh, in my own life where my silence has made me sick and moments in um, where it's almost like, um, as you were talking about that that experience of kind of when we grow up and we learn to hold more inside, the visual that came up for me actually was like, it's almost like we create these like dams inside of us, right? And like, and there's just all of this like 
powerful water that's building up and it doesn't have somewhere to go. And and that, of course, is going to create dysregulation in in our body, but also in terms of our emotions and our mind. And I mean, I know as a yoga teacher, I'm talking all the time about the interconnectedness between the physical body, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, how it's it's all a part of ourselves. And it, it all really comes down to our relationship with ourself. Yeah, absolutely. And so I can see, I can, I can absolutely see how that would be um, such a powerful realization in your practice as a naturopathic doctor to realize that at the root of it um, is very much this relationship with, with voice. Now, I'm curious, as this idea started to surface within you um, and in your practice, what kind of tools were you using with people to help them start to reconnect with their own voice? The thing that I think most of us could benefit from, and I think a great place to start is to drop out of our heads for a minute, hopefully longer, and to re-enter our bodies. So we live in a world where we uh, reward and we really encourage very cerebral living, right? We're very brain-based. We want to make rational decisions. We want to do things that make sense. We want to do things that fit in with what other people around us are doing. Uh, And so often, because we live so much in our heads, we are completely disconnected from what is happening below the neck, what's happening in our body. Um, So one of the first things that I teach women to do is to start to reconnect with the body. That's one of the reasons I love yoga as a personal practice, but also for many of my patients, is that yoga is a wonderful way to get back into our bodies. One of the things that I teach, which is a practice that I use myself, is a very simple 90-second check-in first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. So when you open your eyes in the morning, before you grab your phone and you let the outside world tell you how to feel or what to think or what is happening, you're going to check in with your own self. So I literally encourage women to put one hand on their heart and one hand on their tummy. So most of us, like I said, live in the brain, which is our very rational part. And it's an important part, but it's not the only part. Our heart is where our desire lives. So if you want to try to figure out or get more connected with what you truly desire in life, whether that relates to your work, your relationships, your health, that information is not hanging out in your head. It's hanging out in your body. And I believe it hangs out in your heart. So your heart is the seat of your true desire. And then your abdominal uh, region, especially kind of that lower abdomen, um, for me, is where where my intuition is, right? Those are your gut feelings. That's your gut instinct. Again, that stuff's not in your brain. It's in your body. So I have women just reconnect to that and close their eyes. And I have them check in with three different parts of themselves. The first part is their, their actual physical body. So doing a quick body scan and noticing, does anything hurt? Is anything stiff or achy? Do I have a headache? Um The second part is the emotional body. How am I feeling mood wise? Do I feel anxious this morning? Do I feel excited for my day? Do I feel depressed like I don't wanna get out of bed? And then the third piece is the kind of energetic or spiritual body. So checking in with your actual energy level, how rested do I feel? How's my energy? How's my like cognition or mental clarity? 
um, just to start to get some of that feedback flowing. Because again, most of us ignore our bodies because it's inconvenient or because we're too busy. Um, but our body is sending us information all the time. And it's sending us information in two ways that I like to think about. One is feelings. So how do you actually feel? When you feel anxiety, that's your body trying to tell you that something right now is not really working. Something isn't serving your body and your, your body's trying to tell you to pivot or get away or move away from whatever that thing is. Whereas when we feel joy and excitement, that's your body's way of saying, yes, I want more of that. Whatever you're doing right now, I really like it. Keep doing that. So we're getting constant information from our bodies but again, most of us are completely ignoring it. So I love this practice as a very simple way to start to reconnect with the body so that you can start to be more clear on like, what do you actually want? How does my body feel today? Um, what messages does my body have for me today? And then the next part, once you've started to do that, is to see how can I use that information to better honor what my body needs today. So I'll have people start with one thing. What is one thing I can do today <laughs> to honor how I feel today? Maybe that's having an extra glass of water. Maybe that's giving your partner an extra long hug. It doesn't have to be that you're flipping your whole world upside down, but this simple practice of tuning into your body and then picking one thing that day to honor it can actually be an incredibly powerful thing to do um, to start to kind of reawaken this this part of us. I, uh, I really, I was smiling a little bit as you were talking about that because I teach a check-in that is almost identical. Um, and and it, it really is so powerful, like checking in with those different layers of the body, those different ways of knowing. And then like you said, picking one thing, because I think oftentimes yeah. we get really like caught up in, in all of the things. And and we, that can in and of itself create a sense of overwhelm and create more dysregulation in our nervous system, dysregulation in the body. Um, but picking one thing that feels doable and achievable um, can give us that sense that we're caring for ourselves and we're listening to ourselves. And I think that's where we really start to like repair our, our relationship with ourselves and our trust with ourselves. Because a lot of us, I think, are, and you talk about this in a lot of your posts as well, a lot of us, I think, have, I, I wanted to say a distorted view, but I don't know that that's right, because it's, of course, come about for a lot of different reasons, um, which I'm sure we could talk about. But a lot of us, I think, as we move through life, one of the other things that we start to experience often as women in addition to the quieting of the voice but i think is this feeling that we're at war with our bodies um and that and and i think that we see that so prominently in our our inner dialogue but also our conversations with others as well as in like health and wellness culture more broadly speaking um and um and and that sense of like creating more of a, a harmonious and more of like a loving relationship based on honoring and listening like that's a whole different approach can you talk a little bit about that yeah one of the things i love to kind of 
highlight for people is that we have different voices inside of us. Yes. Some yes. of them are very nice. Some of them are very mean. <laughs> so the voice that most of us hear day in and day out and the voice that most of us listen to sadly is our ego. And our ego is here for two reasons. One is to keep us safe. And number two is ideally to keep us the same. It doesn't like change. It doesn't like when you try new things. It just wants you to be safe and status quo. That is the voice in your head that tells you you don't look good when you look in the mirror. It's the voice that tells you you're lazy and you're not good enough and no one will ever love you and you'll never be able to lose the weight. And God, you have no willpower because you can't stick on your diet for more than a week. Okay, that's your ego. Your intuition is the quiet whispers. It's the sensations and feelings that we just talked about. That's the voice that says, I'm really hungry today and I would love a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That would make me feel really good. And then the ego clicks in. You can't eat that. That has gluten. That's full of calories, yada, 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 right? So we have this constant battle between the ego and our intuition and again, when we are disconnected from our bodies, it's very hard to hear the whispers of our intuition. It's very hard to hear that true internal guidance, which is going to get you the answers you're looking for, and it'll help guide you in the right direction. But as you said, there is so much noise, both from our ego um, but from the outside world, especially when it comes to women's health, women's bodies, we receive such intense, constant, generally negative messaging that we're not good enough, we don't eat well enough, we're not thin enough, we're not toned enough, we're not white enough, all these different messages. And so Part of the work that that I do, and 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 this is a journey that I'm on. I, I you know I'm on this journey just like everybody else because I still live in this world and I receive all these messages too. But part of the work that I'm doing and part of the work I try to teach is how can we start to quiet out some of that external noise? Yeah. How can we start to quiet the ego? and start to reconnect to that that inner voice or that intuition that more quiet uh voice those whispers that are that are trying to guide us because like i said those that's where the gold is it's yeah. not your ego it's not your like rational decisions it's not some diet that joe blow on the internet you know recommended for you all of this stuff is inside but like you said, a lot of us have lost trust with ourselves. We are completely disconnected from ourselves. Um, and so we're constantly looking outside of ourselves for guidance and outside of ourselves for information that often does not serve us. And if anything, all it does is like strengthen these negative loops of voices and conversations that are that our ego is constantly kind of like yelling at us every single day one of the things that i think about a lot because of uh the program that i run radical rest rhythms is the way to like of course i think one of the first things we might think about is the way in which this like sensation of feeling at war with our body shows up in terms of body image and our views about like um about how our bodies 
look and how others think that they look. Um, but I think another place that it really shows up is also in our expectations of ourselves. And this idea, like you spoke about before, of like when we let that the head and the brain run the show and we prioritize intellectual pursuits um, at the expense of everything else. And we kind of run ourselves into the ground because of all of these different societal pressures like capitalism, like hustle culture, all of these different things. Um, even, even I think we could throw in the self-help industry in there too. And, you know, like, and there's this kind of quest to better ourselves and we run ourselves into the ground and then we wonder why we're so tired or what's wrong with us when perhaps, and, and this is part of my story, definitely like part of the problem was that I was running way too fast and chasing way too many things. Um, and it wasn't necessarily that I needed a lot more supplements, though I'm sure that could help. Um, It wasn't necessarily that I needed to change my diet, but part of what I needed was to actually let myself do less. And that, that, that was the listening to my body that needed to happen. Yeah, there's so many ways we ignore our bodies. And I'll give a few examples that are probably things that you do every day. One would be ignoring the urge to pee because you need to fire off that email. Okay, going to the bathroom is one of our most primal urges. So is hunger, hunger and thirst. How often do you ignore your hunger and your thirst? Because again, something else is deemed more important. So we are constantly ignoring our bodies. We constantly ignore our requests for rest, right? It is radical to allow ourselves to have rest in this crazy world that we live in because our response to feeling tired is not to take a 15 minute break and to rest. It's to grab more coffee, to reach for sugar, to grab our phone for a quick dopamine hit. Right. So we are ignoring the most fundamental needs that our bodies have every single day. And when you ignore the little things, it's easier and easier to ignore the big things. Right. That is why people will start with maybe a mild headache that they ignore. And then eventually it becomes a really bad headache. Maybe eventually it becomes migraine or panic attacks or like diarrhea. Right. But most of these things started as little soft ways that the body was trying to tell you that something was not going right and you ignored it. And so your body will just keep talking to you louder and louder until for a lot of us, it literally stops us in our tracks and it forces us to stop. And that could be a burnout, that could be a major depression, that could be a panic disorder those things didn't come out of the blue. They happened because you were likely ignoring a lot of different things that your body was asking you for probably for a long time. And now your body's like, I am, I'm done. I cannot do this anymore. And you are not listening. You haven't been listening to me for a long time. I'm going to force you to listen now because I'm going to make it almost impossible for you to continue. The other thing I want to talk about, because you talked about kind of this, this push we have and this world we live in and this difficulty resting and listening. Another concept that I love to bring into the work that I do 
is uh, the concept of kind of masculine versus feminine energy. Of course. So all of us, whether you identify as like male or female, we both have masculine and feminine energy. And our masculine energy is the energy of the world we live in. It's the energy of doing and striving and producing and being on the go and thinking. Um, the energy of femininity is the energy of rest. It's the energy of receiving. It's the energy of being. Most of us live so dominantly in our masculine energy because that is what the world requires for most of us to like survive and thrive. It's not shocking. We live in a world that was for the most part, created for and designed to suit men. So it's a very masculine way of being. And women are just trying to fit themselves into it to survive and to be able to earn a living. But the price we pay is that we ignore this feminine energy. And again, your feminine energy is your ability to rest. It's your ability to relax, but it's also your ability to receive. Yes, so yes. one of the ways that I love to have women think about this, how did you respond the last time that someone tried to buy you a coffee or lunch? Were you able to receive that? Or were you right away like, oh, no, I couldn't possibly. How did you respond the last time someone tried to pay you a compliment? I know I'm awful at that. <laughs> That's what most I was thinking us, about. Most yeah. of us are, right? <laughs> yeah. But then we wonder, why can't I receive the love I want? Why can't I receive the intimacy? Why can't I receive the health? Why can't I receive the help? How are you at receiving help? Again, most of us are terrible because we do everything in a masculine way, including parenting, for those of you who are parents. Most of us, and I throw myself in there, we mother in a very masculine way, which is schedules and deadlines. We're always in a rush. We're always behind. Everything is very structured and organized. Whereas, you know, a feminine way of mothering would be, you know, maybe more relaxed, receiving help from those around you, um, doing it maybe in a slightly slower, more enjoyable way. So I think there's there's so many pieces to this puzzle, but that's one layer that I love to bring in because when women have a hard time literally sitting or resting, they can't meditate, yoga mm -hmm. makes them like furious. Mm -hmm. It's because they're having a hard time kind of flowing back into this feminine energy but we need the balance of both and again this goes for both men and women we both have this we need a better balance between them in order to be healthy right Absolutely. part of why women are often more burnt out more anxious more depressed is that we are not living in a way that truly honors what our bodies need and what they want yeah when i um when I often teach about the kind of masculine and feminine, um, I I kind of talk about the idea of yin and yang in yes. traditional Chinese medicine. And and what I love so much about that that image, if, if you can bring to your mind's eye um, the image of the yin and yang symbol, is that one feeds into the other, right? And so it, it, it's, it's not that one is better than the other, it's that both are really important. We need both. Yeah. Both of them exist in this cycle and 
And this is is where I get really excited because I'm so passionate about the nervous system. But mm-hmm. is is that like we are meant to create and we are meant to do generative things with, that activate our nervous system. We are meant to you know run marathons if that's what you choose to do, and um, you know uh, give speeches and performances and do things that that activate us. And we're meant to rest. And it's not that one is better than the other. It's that both are part of the cycle. Both are part of that wholeness. Um, And, and, but the only way, as you, as you speak about that, we can start to calibrate that internal balance is by getting to know our own bodies and what's happening inside and being witness to, to ourselves and I was thinking as you were talking, there's been so much even just on social media in the last few years about like the idea of intuitive eating and and really listening to our body and and one of the things that that I think about and that I've noticed is that if I have been in a place where I've been ignoring the needs of my body and you gave all of those perfect examples of like not going to the bathroom, not like not, you know, drinking when I need to, or maybe not making time to move when my body needs to move. Um, but if I am in a place where, where I am ignoring all these little needs and don't have that relationship of like trust where I am meeting the needs that I have, it feels like impossible to be able to like actually tap in to like intuitively what my body wants to eat. And I feel like a lot of people get hung up on like, how could I like just listen to my body about eating? Like I need to follow this strict protocol. But I think part of the problem, and I wonder if you could speak to this, is that actually it's, it's, it's that we're not doing a good job of listening. Yeah, you said the word that I literally wrote and circled three times, which is the word trust. Okay. Both women do not trust themselves, especially when it comes to food. And part of that is, again, we are completely disconnected from our bodies, which is where all of these signals come from, both in terms of our body tells us when to eat. It tells us it will tell you like exactly what you need if you are able to tune in the problem is that we have been fed lies since we were very young which is that we need someone else to tell us how to eat because if we are left to our own devices we will just eat pizza and chocolate cake all day every day for the rest of our lives right and so A lot of women are terrified by this idea of intuitive eating because they do not trust themselves. And that can be for a lot of different reasons. But when it comes to nutrition, a lot of that is from the messaging that we receive that again comes from outside of us. Mm -hmm. So if we think for a minute, like what in your brain makes you think that some random stranger on the internet and I include myself in this because I also you know I'm a random stranger on the internet too but I actually try really hard not to give specific nutrition advice on purpose but what makes you think that this person online who has never met you who knows nothing about your health your genetics your cultural preferences your food preferences why would they know more about what and when you should eat than you would, mm-hmm. right? We often forget we are animals. Do you think bears and raccoons go to the nutritionist for nutrition advice? No, 
They listen to their bear and their raccoon instincts because if they didn't, there would be no more bears and raccoons, right? We are here as a human species because we are highly evolved to have, again, these fundamental cues like hunger and thirst and going pee and poop. Like all of these things are already inside of us. But again, because we live in our heads and we're so outward focused, we have completely disconnected from, from some of these cues. So, you know, food is, a, it's a big topic and it's a big part of what I, uh, I talk about because I think food is such a, uh, like a good representation of if you don't trust yourself to eat, if you don't trust yourself to know what and when to eat, how in the heck are you going to trust yourself to make more important decisions about your life? Yeah, that's such a good prompt for reflection. Yeah, like if if you, this most basic thing, if you don't trust yourself on that, how will you trust yourself in your relationships to leave a job that's not serving you, to to honor whatever your body's calling for? It's It's going to be impossible if you can't start with some of these more like fundamental needs and urges. Mm. I wondered, Sarah, if we could talk a little bit because I know that one of your passions is the thyroid, especially as it comes to nutrition and and women's health. And I would love to hear a little bit about how the thyroid weaves in to some of the conversations we've been having already. I know from a yoga perspective, you know, the thyroid is, is, is associated with the throat chakra, which is really yes. about our relationship to our own voice, um, yes. as well as our ability to communicate our sense of self, both with ourself and with others. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm curious to hear more about the thyroid and, um, and how this is, is, is weaving into some of the themes that we've talked about already. Yeah. So the thyroid kind of like, it wasn't something I set out to like specialize in. It just kind of came to me and I'm so glad it did because it actually is, is such a wonderful area of health to work in. And the reason I love working on thyroid is that women are predominantly more likely to develop thyroid conditions than men. So it's very much more of a woman's condition. And it's also a condition that is undiagnosed. So it's estimated that up to 60% of people who have a thyroid condition are not yet diagnosed. So they don't even know they have it yet. And the reason that the thyroid is, is an area of passion to me, like you said, it is connected to the throat chakra. So like I said, for years, my approach to thyroid was looking at nutrition and exercise and lifestyle. And those things are all super important. But I think when we can bring in the energetic part of it, the spiritual part, which is the part of ourselves that we tend to ignore, Mm -hmm. that's where true healing can happen. So again, in order to achieve good health, part of what you ideally want to be able to do is to be able to say what you think, especially when it comes to your needs and your wants. So your needs could be things like, I need to get eight hours of sleep every night. So I'm going to need you partner to help me with bedtime with the kids 
so that I can have the time I need for sleep. Or one of my personal needs is a daily walk. And I started this in the beginning of the pandemic because it was, I needed to get away and be alone and be outside in nature. And so now my family knows, my five-year-old son knows mom is gonna go for a walk by herself at some point in the day because I have clearly articulated that that is a need. And then your wants are things that you desire. So maybe it's, I want to do yoga X amount of times per week, or I want us to eat more of this or less of that, right? But if you are completely disconnected, and as we talked about earlier, we live in our brains. So if you visualize kind of where your head is and where your heart is, your thyroid is about midway through. It's in the lower part of your neck. So when we talk about being able to speak our, our truth and use our voice, it's very difficult to do that if the only place you're getting information is from your brain. Mm -hmm. So even from an energetic perspective, and it's harder to do this because you can't see me and all my hand gestures, but if you kind of put your hand on your head and your hand on your heart, you want to get the channel of energy flowing between those two areas because your thyroid lives right in the middle. And so ideally, when those two areas are better balanced, and you're not just making brain based decisions, but you're making heart based decisions and gut instinct or intuition based decisions, the way you express yourself is going to be completely different. Mm -hmm. And part of that goes back to this concept of trust. I trust my intuition, because I've listened to her, and I've honored her. And it usually works out in my best, you know, in the best way for me, even when it's really scary. And I think that's part of why a lot of people and especially women are maybe afraid to connect with that part, because it might tell you things that are really hard to hear. Yeah, It might tell you like your job is actually killing you slowly, or this relationship that you're in, like, it's really not working for you anymore. Or like, I don't want to live here. I want to move across the country or move to a completely different country, right? So I'm not saying that the information you're going to get is necessarily going to be easy to hear. But what I can tell you in my experience and working with other women, when you start to at least listen, and eventually if you're able to honor some of those requests, it's going to completely change your health, your well-being, your outlook, because you'll be able to articulate things from a completely different place than simply this like very rational, practical um, approach that most of us use as a way to kind of inform. Um, and the other thing you talked about, which I think is so powerful that I just wanna to touch on is the words you do not speak, do not evaporate. Mm. They stay in your body. Yeah. Right there. And, and what's it, there's this field of um, medicine called psychoneuroimmunology or PNI, uh, which is a very fancy term that basically says that your cells, every single cell in your body is responding to your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, and I would add in your words. So the words you don't say stay in your body and often will have a negative impact. And then the words you do say are going to impact, obviously, whoever you're speaking them to, but they also impact you. Your body is listening to your words. So when you say things like, 
I hate my body. I need to lose weight. I'm tired all the time. I'm not productive. That's one of my big ones that I always need to be more productive, right? Your body is listening to that and it's literally feeding it back to you. So words are incredibly powerful, not just because they can help you to create kind of the, the boundaries or the, you know, the things you want in your life, but because your body is listening to both your spoken and unspoken words, and it's, it's giving you whatever you're, you're saying or you're thinking. So we want to be really careful with our thoughts and our words because they are, they are incredibly powerful. Yeah. And I think that idea of being careful, sometimes I think people think that that means we have to do this like really intense, like self monitoring, which I, I, and I think it's actually more gentle than that. And I feel like you'd agree. It's more like noticing that they come up and then having that internal conversation of like, what is the unmet need? What is the unmet want? It's not that like, you know, we need to like quash every thought that isn't like toxic positivity. It's of that course. like as these little, these little red flags come up that are, um, that are, you know, waving the flag attuning us to the fact that there's something that needs to be met and then we can have that more like compassionate response that's based on accepting what what's actually happening for us yeah I totally agree it's all about noticing and then ideally eventually just like choosing a different response right exactly it's not to squash all of these I still have thoughts that I will probably be having for a long time because I've been having them in my head for 39 years so But what has changed for me is catching them early and noticing them and saying, huh, isn't that interesting that that thought came up again, but not allowing it to like, I don't go down the rabbit hole of that thought and I don't let it like sabotage my actions. I'm able to catch it usually, not always, and and make a, a better decision. I wanted to be sure we had the chance to talk about because I think, um, because I think that in many ways you're you are acting as a community leader in terms of creating spaces for um, bringing women together to dive into these conversations. And I think uh, I think as someone who also holds community space that there is something really beautiful in in doing this work together. And I think especially because I honestly feel like one of our deepest desires and needs is to be seen in our wholeness and that when we create spaces where we can show up like that, it can be so powerful for us, but also, and I know you talked about before, like that sense of being too, like the too muchness. And I know in one of your posts, and I wrote this down because I was like, oh, I want to bring this up today. You wrote a while back that, um, that, you know, your too muchness is the perfect tea for the people who need you to be and show up exactly as you are, which I think is so beautiful. And this idea that like our, us as in our too muchness, that can actually be a healing force for for the people who it's meant to be, which I think is so beautiful. Could you talk a little bit about the role of community and the the, the community spaces that, that you're facilitating? Yeah. So I incorporated community into my almost two years ago, and it was like life-changing not just for the women but for me and I always say like I was not at all prepared for the transformation that 
um, that I experienced putting myself into these community settings with other women. And I think women gathering and speaking and holding space for each other is how we used to transmit medicine, right? We used to sit in, in circles and tell stories and share information. And we've lost so much of that in our modern world. And so the, the things that I've seen that I find most powerful about community is number one is creating a space where women feel comfortable to show up as their authentic selves. And it was actually one of the women in, um, I run a women's health group called the Wild Collective. And she commented how in the first couple of weeks together, everyone showed up, made up, hair done, nice clothes on. By week nine and 10, we were in our pajamas, makeup free, no bras, no one cared. And I hadn't noticed that. I noticed that the level of sharing had deepened and changed, but she picked up on the like the physical piece. And I thought that was like the perfect metaphor for when you find the right group of women and we create these like, I don't even like the word safe space, but a space where people are welcome to be open and to be themselves. It's amazing that women will like start to like drop the mask, drop the armor, like drop all this, these pieces of armor that we walk around with every day that are there to protect us because we're so afraid that if we were to show people our true selves that they wouldn't like it or they would reject us or we would be shunned. Um, so creating a space where women can show up as their true selves is, is super powerful and healing but then it also allows them to speak in a way that they maybe don't feel comfortable speaking in other settings so they're able to say things they're able to tell stories they're able to um you know just get something off their chest um and that for me is where a lot of the the healing happens is in this ability to create a space where women can can use their voice and what often happens and i'm sure you've maybe seen this too is other women realize they're not alone yes so these experiences yes. that they thought like i am the only one who like can't do this or i'm the only one who's living with this they start to see that they are not alone and that is also incredibly healing so i'm i'm working more and more and i'm you know especially with this pandemic has made it more challenging but um i i know we need more community i think we need more in-person community um, because there's something very healing that happens in a group that is way beyond what, you know, even I can do in my office one-on-one. -on -one. Um, so I, I love incorpor incorporating community and the new program that I've created, which is going to launch in January called Happy Thyroid will have a community aspect to it. Um, because part of what I want to create is an opportunity again for women to meet other women with thyroid conditions where we can really have open, you know, honest conversations about things like nutrition. Um, and one of the other reasons I'm so passionate about thyroid is that it is another area where there's a ton of diet culture being hurled at women with thyroid conditions um, that often actually makes us more unwell and harms our thyroid even more. So part of the work that I'm doing, part of the way that I want to use my voice is to become a, like a counter narrative to that and to show that there is another way um, to eat for women that feels intuitive, that tastes good, that's filling, that is not restrictive. Um, 
and that allows you to be, you know, really healthy because I'm just, I can't handle seeing more women on super restrictive diets that for the most part cause way more harm than good. I feel like, oh my gosh, that whole, everything you just shared was like a mic drop moment. Like, um, I, I, I love that so much. And, um, I, I think it's so beautiful, especially too, just that, you know, um, that as a naturopathic doctor, and, and this is one of the things I appreciate about, um, naturopathy, but that, you know, you're able to bridge um all of your deep scientific knowledge with the spiritual and that then you're also able to bridge um the individual patient relationship with more of a community component and in many ways i think um that that comes back to this idea that we've been speaking about in different ways but of of wholeness and balance and and always kind of um the the many parts that make up our 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 whole selves I have gotten so much out of this conversation today. It's been so beautiful to um, to hear more about the work that you're doing and and more about how it is supporting women um, in reclaiming their voices and their connection to their to their bodies and their inner wisdom and to their hearts, which. Um, I am obsessed with the heart, and the name of this podcast, of course, is With Heart and Wonder. Uh, And so as we weave our way to the end of the conversation, I'd love to know if there's anything else on your heart that you would like to share. So I'd love to share my own story um, because I think it'll highlight really well why this work is so valuable to me and and why why I know it's so powerful. So um, for years, I dealt with chronic bloating. And as an naturopathic doctor, I had all the like tools, right? So I like tried all the different diets and the candida cleanses and food sensitivity testing. Um, And all of these things would work temporarily, but my bloating always came back. And what was super interesting about my bloating is that it always came with um, an emotion of anger. And I never understood why, but I just always remember that when I got bloated, it made me really angry. And so two summers ago, I was walking with uh, a good friend who actually has training as an actor. And she was telling me about some of her her training. And she said, in theater school, they referred to this lower part of our abdomen, which is the part for me where I would get bloated as the swamp. She's like, this is where we stuff all of our like hidden traumas and emotions and things that we don't say and feelings that we don't want to acknowledge. We shove them in there. And in that moment, I was like, holy crap, I know exactly what this bloating is about. It is not about food. This is a, this is an emotional response. It's grief. And what I realized in that moment is that my bloating was actually an emotional response to a decision I had made a few years prior to have an abortion after having an unplanned pregnancy. And I hadn't shared that decision with anyone because I felt I wasn't able to at the time. So I really went through that experience by myself. And I also didn't get the support that I needed from my partner at the time. And so in that moment, I decided I'm going to speak about it as a test to see what happens with my digestion. And so I spoke about it in my women's circle, the wild collective. And the first time I told this story, I was bawling my hands, my whole body was shaking. My heart was pounding. It was very, very difficult to say. 
And after that session, I remember going for a walk and I literally felt like I had lost 30 pounds. There was such a heaviness that had been lifted from my body from saying it out loud. And over the course of the past two years, I've shared this story over and over again, which is now what allows me to share it today without shaking, without crying, without having my heart pounding. Not that there would be anything wrong if I were doing any of those things. But I share this because the simple act of speaking about this experience in my life has allowed me to move through and work through the emotions that I was holding in my body because I hadn't talked about it. I had kept all, all those words, all that grief, all that sadness, and I had stuffed it into my body. And so when I talked earlier about the words that you don't speak stay in your body, these are some of the ways that they may, they may manifest. And so now in hindsight, I can see this bloating, this anger, Anger often actually is covering up sadness. So that's what was happening in my case. But my lower stomach was literally sticking out of my body to get me to pay attention. It was trying to say, look down here. There is something that you need to deal with. There's something you need to work through. And so now that's why I'm so passionate about having women reconnect with their body is that there are probably little things, whether it's bloating or fatigue or insomnia, these are the ways that your body is trying to get you to pay attention. And when you can start to pay attention and see what that information might be trying to tell you, it's going to be more powerful than any blood test or any doctor could ever kind of tell you. Um, so what I encourage people to do now is when the body is, is feeling something, instead of getting mad about it or trying to suppress it, I'd invite women to, to get curious about it and to ask, what is my body trying to tell me right now? What is this fatigue trying to tell me? What is my bloating trying to tell me? What is my anxiety trying to tell me? And you will likely get the answers that you're looking for. So that's why this work is so like it's so important to me that I've seen the impact it has on me. And that's why I want to share it because I, again, I really feel like our voice is one of the most powerful tools that we have when it comes to our health and our well-being. And our healing. I think that that story that you shared really illustrates that so well that we all are carrying grief and trauma and hurt in our bodies. Um, we're carrying this baggage and and that when we voice it out into the world and and share it with others i think there is we are creating an opportunity for our relationship to that grief and and that trauma and that those heavy bags that we're carrying to shift and your story so so beautifully illustrates that yeah it normalizes sharing right if no one's sharing and you're the one woman out there trying to share your story it feels really hard it does. but if we all started sharing and talking and speaking our truth it would feel a lot easier because you wouldn't be the only one doing it so you're also you're helping other women when you use your voice you're helping other women use their voice as well yeah, and, and that is, is so true. That is one of the biggest gifts, I think, for us all is that we create space in a world that, that, that in many ways still tries to make women small and, and 
shrink, uh, we create space for us to show up as as our ourselves in our too muchness, in our wholeness, in our loudness, in our boldness, um, and and that is is a really beautiful gift. Thank you so much, Sarah, for for everything that you shared today. Um, I really, really appreciate your bravery and vulnerability and commitment to being real and raw and to helping others to tap into themselves so that they can do the same. Uh, I'm so grateful for you and your work. Thank you so much for having me. It was a, a wonderful conversation to have with you. Thanks so much as always for joining us today for this conversation. What a gift it was to have you here and to have Sarah here with us as well. We did talk in this episode about the thyroid and Sarah has a guide now available for breakfast ideas for a happy, healthy thyroid. Uh, so do check that out. The link will be in the episode description. I so look forward to the next time we can come together and journey into our hearts. Until then, keep living with heart and wonder.